This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. The, the main scripture reading for today, we're continuing our, our sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about uh, the good life becoming real in our lives and in our world. So we're in Matthew 7. Verses 13 through 23. So Matthew 7, verses 13 through 23. This is Jesus wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, the closing passage which Sarah will be preaching next week. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. And thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a, a good word. It's, it's a hard word. But it's a life-giving word. We know that your word is life-giving to us. I pray that you would send your spirit, both through my spoken words, into our hearts, to, to make your life real in our lives, to make your good life real in our lives, as individuals, as a community, and in this world. We pray this in the gracious name of Jesus. Amen. Some people will argue that the ends justify the means. And, and many of us live life this way, where the ends justify the means, or like one NFL coach I heard uh, say, and it wasn't Bill Belichick, although it totally could have been, if you ain't cheating, you ain't winning. Sorry, I, sorry Patriots fans. I, that's, I'm, I'm from California, so I had to get that in there. The, but the underlying argument about the ends justifying the means is that it really doesn't matter how you get to where you want to go in life, just as long as you get there. And even deeper, the underlying idea here is that the good life is more about what we get out of life than how we get there. The good life, in this vision, it's completely dependent upon our circumstances. A Super Bowl, a job, uh, a college that you get into, a sports team you make, a house you get into, retirement. The Sermon on the Mount, however, it points us in a different direction. 
it puts attention on how we walk the journey of this life. So the good life in the Sermon on the Mount, it's found first in how we walk, the path that we walk, in the way that we walk through the very unpredictable life um, where our life goals, our circumstances, uh, they're sometimes achieved, they're sometimes not. Uh, We've especially learned this during the pandemic. Our circumstances so often are beyond our control. And so the, the good life in the Sermon on the Mount, it's found as we walk in the way of Jesus. And we leave the ends, we leave the ultimate end in God's hands. So we walk in the way of Jesus. Now, what what is this way? What is this way of walking in Jesus? The way of walking in Jesus is walking in self-giving, sacrificial love. It's walking in self-giving, sacrificial love, both in our actions, but first, uh, the vision we get throughout the Bible is that we first receive the self-giving, sacrificial love of God. We first receive that love, and then out of that love, we give out to others around us. It's like that image you find in the Psalms, where the Psalms talk about, uh, we're like these trees with our roots reaching down to streams of living water. The the streams of living water, which we continually uh, live in, it's the grace of God continually, continuing to refresh us and renew us. And out of that refreshing, we give in self-giving, sacrificially loving ways to others around us. And so in this, in this passage, what's happening here is that uh, this vision of the good life that's been building throughout the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which has this idea of, uh, of a life that's immersed in self-giving, sacrificial love. The Sermon on the Mount has been building and building. We have these kind of two different ways that are laid out before us. One way is a way of self-promotion, self-service, where we use any of the means at our fingertips to promote ourselves. Uh, The other way, it's the compassionate way. It's the humble way. It's the way of righteousness, of love, where we leave the ends in God's hands. And so these two visions, they're sort of coming to a head here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And we have these kind of these two ways that are laid out in all these different passages and in the one that Sarah's going to preach on next week. So we have these two different ways coming to a head and Jesus is putting before us, which way are you going to go? And as we look at the, the, the narrow gate in this way that's wide and easy, and that many follow it, or the narrow road that few find, don't necessarily think about uh, two separate camps of people. Jesus is focusing our attention on these centers, on a life that's either centered, captivated by this self-giving, other-centered love from God to others, or the easiest life, which is a life that's captivated by self-service, self-promotion, often using and abusing others around us eventually to promote our own ends. 
Jesus uses often this very provocative language to get our, get our attention, much like he does later in Matthew 16, which is a similar, uh, it's a similar idea as this in, in chapter 7, verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 25, Jesus says, um, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Jesus is pointing to this paradox that when we, uh, when we obsess over and try to control our own circumstances and try to make well-being happen for us, we often find it falling through our grasp. But when our lives are radically centered on love for God, on love for others, we leave those ends and those circumstances up to God, and God gives us this enriching full, good life. So Jesus is giving us two centers, two ways that we can orient our lives toward. This, uh, this broad way, this, this easy way that Jesus talks about, it's, it's ways where, we, uh, where our, our main goal in life that was as true in the first century and is true now, that the vision of the good life that Jesus was countering was this vision that uh, the good life is about achieving power, status, wealth, worldly success. That is the good life. Um, and it's completely circumstantial. That vision of the good life is all based on the circumstances that we try to achieve. And again, the more we force that life to happen, the more we lose ourselves in the process. On the flip side, the, this love of God and this love of others, when we live oriented in that way, we, ended up, we end up finding our true selves. We end up finding fullness of life. Uh, it, this, this vision of the two lives, it, it reminds me of an article that I read when we lived in Spain. It was the, the Spanish national newspaper. And it, the, the newspaper was commenting on this sociological study that the author read, that the study was looking at what vocations, what jobs gave, led people to have the most happy life. What jobs led to the greatest amount of happiness? Not just in the job, but just overall. What jobs made people happiest? And the, the author very surprised, was commenting on how he thought that the jobs that he would find as sort of the top jobs leading to happiness would be jobs where there was a high level of income, high level of freedom for rest and recreation, that those jobs would give people the most satisfaction and, and, and lead to the happiest of lives. But to his surprise, the two that were at the very top of the list, far and above any other job, were teachers and priests. Spain is a, is a mostly Catholic country. Teachers and priests were the happiest people all the way to the end of their life compared to any other job. Now, Jesus' message is not that we need to change our jobs to find happiness. Uh, that would be kind of falling into trying to create circumstances that, that, that make our lives uh, better. But, but this is pointing to the fact uh, that this narrow way, this good way, this way that's not easy, but this way of lives lived out 
in, in self-giving, life-giving, sacrificial love, that's the best life. That's the good life that Jesus wants us to walk into. Again, it's not easy, but it's good. Again, when we base uh, our understanding of the good life or when we try to achieve the good life through our circumstances or when we wait for circumstances to change to bring us satisfaction and peace, don't we all know that we find that so fleeting? Once you would maybe achieve that position or get into that house or, or whatever it is that you achieve that there's good in there and these are good things but when you center your life around those things they never fulfill the promise you think they're going to keep and also just circumstances are fleeting the good life that Jesus is calling us into is about living lives of sacrificial love life-giving presence with others no matter what circumstances that we find ourselves in. And the good news about this is it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how powerful you are, where you're at in life, everyone can be called into this way of life. This, this reminds me of um, the story of a, a friend of mine whose name is Marcel Serabungo. And Marcel, um, he lives in the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo. He works with the, the organization I work for, um, and Marcel was born and raised in the eastern part of Congo, and over his lifetime, the region that he lives in has slowly become uh, the most volatile and one of the most impoverished places in the entire world. Um, it didn't start that way when he was a child. Um, the Rwandan genocide, other civil wars around eastern Congo poured into Congo, and in the, late, in the late 1990s, Congo had its own civil war. That civil war was somewhat resolved, but in Marcel's region in the eastern part of Congo where he lives, there's been decade after decade after decade of armed conflict, and he's lived in it for his whole life. Um, when these wars were going on, Marcel was working with an international Christian organization in different countries around his region. Sudan, Uganda, and Congo, and he was supervising um, the leading of these uh, leading peace and reconciliation committees in towns and villages, um, and he was supervising people who were doing that. He did that for about two decades. Um, a few years ago, he felt God's leading that he needed to leave this supervisor role and focus all that he's learned throughout his life on his own community, on where he's from. Um, and so just recently, he, he started an initiative called the Tungane Project. And the, the Tungane in Swahili, it means let us come together, let us unite. And what Marcel does is he goes around to churches and towns and cities and villages. Often churches are the only place where there's still some level of um, institutional life left in these communities. And he works with these churches and he invites local leaders in and he does training on peace building and reconciliation work, walking side by side with these leaders, listening to their grievances and their problems and helping them slowly um, heal and come together from decades of, of literal violence against one another. Um, he also leads um, these spiritual restoration groups for pastors 
because many of these pastors have lost their faith because of all that they've seen and all that they've taken part in as well. Um, it's a place where, uh, th this culture is a place where, there's many places where nine out of 10 women um, are survivors of gender-based violence. Thousands of children who've been swept up in armed conflicts, um, where cultures of peace have been almost completely ex extinguished. And Marcel is going kind of one by one into village and village and town and city, forming these groups and trying to empower people to bring peace and reconciliation into their communities. Um, just a few weeks ago, I got a text from Marcel with a picture of, um, of lava flowing through the middle of the night near his home. And Marcel, he lives in Goma, and if anybody's been following some of the news over the last few weeks, uh, Goma is at the foot of what's the most dangerous volcano in the world, and it erupted on May 22nd. Um, the, the hundreds, and hundreds of thousands of people were displaced with nowhere to go. Um, hundreds of people lost their lives. Um, farms and villages were completely wiped out. Um, and then there were multiple weeks of aftershocks afterwards from the volcano, cutting off power to the entire city. Um, and uh, I was talking with Marcel, and he's, because so many people, including people that he's gone to in these villages, have lost their homes, he has multiple families that are just staying with him, who have nowhere to go. Um, he and his wife cooking for them, caring for them. Um, and I, I asked Marcel, I asked him, I said, you know, I said, you know, how, how are you doing? Or I sent him a text. I said, you know, how are you doing? Um, and he just sent me back this, this reply, which, um, which was a kind of a translated phrase saying uh, in Congolese. He said, in, this, in the world, when one eye is smiling, the other is weeping. In the world, when one eye is smiling, the other is weeping. And in many ways, that phrase, it captures the heart of a Christian life whose center is living this self-giving, other-centered love. It's the Christian life that's full of joys and sorrows, and that this is the path, this is the good path that Jesus is calling us into. No matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, that we live out this life-giving presence with others. Now, not many of us, nor me, are ever going to achieve the sort of world impact of Marcel's life. And, and we have to remember that he is just serving where he was born and where he grew up, living out the life of Jesus and letting it take him into circumstances and needs around him. But all of us can live out the quality of life, the quality of love that Marcel showed with other people around him. I was thinking for, for, for fathers or... Um, That's my, that's my daughter. Thinking a lot about fathers. So thinking of fathers or grandfathers or mom, single moms who have to play the role of mother and father or mentors and spiritual fathers. What is this life of 
self-giving, other-centered love look like? Just in your day-to-day -day interactions. What does this look like? Maybe it's, uh, it's taking time with your teenage child, listening, entering into their problems, not just judging their problems or reacting or trying to immediately fix them, but, but entering in. Life as a teenager, is, it's not easy. Do you remember what it was like to be a teenager? It's not easy. So as, as fathers, entering in, entering in, listening, being empathetic, uh, then, then walking with them, guiding them, guiding them in the right direction. Not being a parent who's remote and distant, but present. Present, no matter what circumstances come. And what does this look like for us as a church community to be present in this way with one another? I already see it happening in different ways in our community, but how can we live into this more? In many ways, we, some of this is we just need to stop, pause, listen to one another, enter into one another's lives. This is, this is part of what it looks like to live these self-giving, other-centered lives where circumstances are out of our control, but we can enter into people's lives no matter where they are. And, and this reminds us, and we've heard this throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that the way of Jesus, this good way, this life-giving way, it's really a way that very few people will see visibly. We've heard a lot about how we live out our lives of faith in secret, behind closed doors, in the contrast with people who try to live out uh, their, their life of faith in very sort of public ways to manipulate people's impression of them. No, no, no. Most of our life as Christians, the self-giving life, it's worked out in the intimate spaces. And as we do that, the love of Jesus, the self-giving love of God, as it begins to slowly seep into our lives, we begin to see it begin to change those relationships, change our connections with one another. And as we live out this life behind closed doors, when those larger issues and needs arise, like uh, the need to live lives that promote justice, um, that promote racial justice in, in, in our neighbors and in cities and in the towns that we live in, when we come face to face with the ecological crisis that our world is in right now, we're able to live into those larger issues with that same spirit, that same way of self-giving, sacrificial love. Lives entering in in ways where we have love and hope, not being driven by fear. Now, many of you, as you're listening to this, you might be thinking that this is a nice ideal. Um, or uh, you might be thinking that that, that, that way of self-giving, sacrificial love, that's so far from what goes on in my heart that I, I, I don't even know how to enter into that. It seems like somewhat of a fantasy for me. Or reality doesn't fit this picture the world doesn't move with, with, this, with lives of self-giving love. It moves more by 
competition and backbiting, um, as so much in our own country says right now. Um, but we have to remember that when we hear this call to enter through this narrow gate, to enter into this life, this life that's radically focused on being a people of self-giving love toward one another, we're not hearing it. The Sermon on the Mount isn't the, aren't these sort of timeless truths that are plucked out of the air that then in our own strength we have to apply to our lives and make them happen. The Sermon on the Mount is spoken by a person. It's spoken by Jesus. It's spoken by Jesus. It's spoken by the, the only person in all of history to fully embody this way of life from beginning to end. So the... The, this way, this way of love and giving, it's a way that's already been opened for us. Jesus has already blazed the trail. We do not have to blaze it ourselves. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, it's this sort of eternal proof that's, that's stamped on human history um, to show us that this way of life, this way of self-giving life, is at the very center of the good life that we're called to live. Even when circumstances might try to convince us that a sort of self-protecting, self-promoting, self-preserving life is the only way forward. And there's many circumstances in this life that can try to convince us of that. Jesus is bringing us to this sort of point of decision um, and so do you want to stake your future, even your eternal future, on a self-serving life? Or will we respond, will you respond in faith to, to Jesus, to, to these outstretched arms of Jesus who is welcoming you, inviting you into a life that he knows, that he has lived, welcoming you into this life. It's the narrow way, but it's the way of Jesus. I want to close by reading later in Matthew a passage that might be familiar to some. And as you listen, I want you to... Uh, to think of Jesus standing at the beginning of this path, speaking these words to you. This is Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. Come to me, all, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord, this is a, this is a challenging call, but it's a good call. And it's a call to the only way um, where true life is found life in you, life in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray that your Spirit would draw us all deeper into that life. If there are any here who 
have never entered into this life, I pray that you would be uh, uh, calling them, inviting them, welcoming them in uh, to this, uh, this life in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.